Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Adam Cohen, an educator, farmer, and plenty of other things in between. So he's built a successful gourmet mushroom farm and is currently the owner of Green Phoenix Farms. Hey, Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you. Thanks again. You're so, so welcome. Oh. <laughs> hey, expand more uh, on that. T- tell us all, where are you right now with, with your business or businesses? And who do you love working with? <laughs> okay, so I'm, the, the short version is I'm really, I'm probably not an expert at anything, but I've done just about everything that there is. Um, I've been an entrepreneur across multiple fields. I've been a high school teacher now. I think I'm in my 17th, 18th year, depending on how you slice it. I've taught middle school, high school, college. Uh, And I've also, I've had businesses doing jewelry and uh, leather arbor at a Renaissance festival. I've uh, done handyman construction business. Um, And recently my last three businesses have been in the agricultural world. I've done, uh, I had one hydroponic farm, one aquaponic farm, and recently uh, was gourmet mushrooms. Um, and now I'm actually, I've left the mushrooms and I'm in the process of building uh, my fourth farm. It's a new hydroponic venture here on my property and it's going to be a totally new niche for me. And I'm, I'm really excited about it, but it's, I've done a little bit of everything. So it's, it's given me a very wide perspective on business and uh-huh. My background as a teacher has also given me the ability to be able to explain things both to my staff, to my customers, and to uh, other friends, business owners, that it's a way to understand things that they haven't seen before. And it's so far been received pretty well. So Awesome. I'm so happy. with this... You know, wealth of experience that you have. Is this all, was this all by design or did one thing sort of lead to another? You found yourself doing this and then, oh, gourmet mushrooms. Of course, that's the next thing. What, what was it for you? Oh. How has it been? It's been a series of uh, random connections and, and zigzags in my life. Not a single thing of the last 20 years has been planned. Um, I, I started making chainmail jewelry for myself and then a friend started asking if they could buy a piece and that kind of snowballed over the course of a year into half own half ownership of a shop at the texas renaissance festival um 
I was teaching high school in Dallas uh, at a private school. I had some students who were bored in my class. Um, my background from college is biology. So I was like, okay, you're bored. We've got a fish tank in the classroom. Hey, I found this article on this thing called aquaponics. Why don't you guys figure out how to make it work? And let's try to grow some plants in the classroom. And then from there, that turned into leading workshops for the community in DFW. And that turned into, oh, well, you're doing this. Can I buy some plant starts from you or some liner? Or can you design a system for me? And then I built a farm and just kind of went from there. Um, mushrooms is probably the funniest one. Uh, I was on Facebook and in a mushroom group and I saw some guy say, Hey, I'm in Dallas. Anybody else here? And I messaged him and said, we should talk. And six months later, we decided to start a farm together and it just kind of went from there. And no, probably in all honesty, in the last 20 years, the only thing that is planned, like intentionally planned is the farm that I'm designing and starting right now because this is the only one that i've actually decided that i was going to do everything else oh, man, that's, kinda, that's exciting i happened. love that so it's, it feels like with your i mean the life of an entrepreneur is, is so strange sometimes it could be i know exactly what i'm doing where i'm going other people are like it just these one thing leads to another and you're in, in that kind of camp so Hopefully, maybe, who knows, right now, your wealth of experience, everything, your ability to teach and connect and your knowledge has all accumulated to this. And now you feel like there's a, I see the plan. I see what's been happening. Is that how it's kind of coming across now? Kind of. Um, it's more a crystallization of being able to see the development of the local ag industry in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So Dallas-Fort Worth, if you're not familiar with it, it's a major metropolitan area. We're almost 50 miles across east to west. There's like seven and a half, eight million people in the area. And there's about 20, well, probably being generous, probably 20 farms that sell into the local community. That's it. There's, there is so huge of a need for local food that we could probably have 300 farms open up in the next six months and we still would have not enough production. So mm. there's a huge market that's available. And I've just been watching the trends and, and I've done farmer's markets for the last four years. I've worked with local chefs. I've worked with distributors. I've worked with some of the food festivals. And there is this huge interest in local food, both commercially and at the retail level. And yet there's nobody producing it. So I'm going to do my part in making a dent into that. So, so you're like, my new hold on. There's a massive hole here. You have the background and knowledge to put this together. Um, mm -hmm. And you get to help guide others to replicate this, to do the same, to follow in your footsteps of, hey, guys, this, it's doable. And yeah, you know, we were chatting offline. Hopefully. It's not just about knowing what to do. It's not just knowing the craft. Mm -hmm. It's how to be a business owner. It's what mm -hmm. dumb mistakes not to make because you know farming, but you don't know about business. So you get to mm -hmm. bridge bridge those gaps, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Like we were saying before we started this, the the thing that I've seen with all the farmers that I know, and not just in this area, but across the country that I've talked to, 
is almost every single one of them is amazing at what they do, growing their vegetables, growing their their great their wine grapes or their their orchards or raising their animals. They're amazing at what they do. They can walk out in their fields and instantly know what's wrong and how to fix it. Mm. But you start talking to them about where they market and well, are your are your restaurant clients on a COD or are on a are they on a 30 day net? You know, and what's your procedure for getting them to pay their bills? And you know, how do you do your banking and taxes and inventory management? And they just eyes glaze over and they're just like, I don't know. It just kind of happens. I mean, almost every farmer I know is month to month, you know, hand to mouth in terms of their revenues. It's they can't think about retiring because they have no savings. It's all they might be making great money, but if they stop farming, that money disappears. They have no way to sell their business and hand it off to somebody else, either a family member or just selling it outright. Nice. So this, it's this lack of business awareness or lack of missing something, one piece of the jigsaw as a business owner can be hold us back, let us struggle or even collapse as a business. So mm-hmm. with bringing in your your new clients, the, the new business that you will be replicating soon with this, what do you think is the biggest hurdle? So I think this is across all different industries, not just in the farming industry, which is why this is a great example. What what beliefs do you think people are will be struggling with? What do you have to get people over first so that they can put your principles into action and actually see what's going on? Hmm. So I'll answer your question by telling a, a story. Uh, my former partner in the mushroom farm, um, he's about 20 years younger than I am. And mushroom farming was an absolute passion for him. It was it was the thing that he wanted to do above all else in the world. Um, and he loved it. He he breathed it, slept it, dreamed it. It it was his passion. And he couldn't separate himself from the business. He couldn't separate himself from the act of doing the business of growing the mushrooms of mm-hmm. everything involved with that. I came to mushroom farming because I was interested in it. And I certainly did enjoy absolutely what I did. But to me, it was business. It was, hey, this is a need. It's a product that's going to be easy to sell. And it's a high dollar product that nobody else is growing. Mm-hmm. So I came to it from the business side. And my initial plan was to do five years in the business and then just kind of sit back and hire somebody to replace me and then go off and do something else. So I came into the business with that exit already in mind. My partner couldn't visualize that. He couldn't visualize ever walking away from what he was doing. Hmm. And that right there is probably the thing that, that hamstrings a lot of people is they get in, especially entrepreneurs, they get into this because it's their passion. They love doing it and they love making the widget, whatever the widget is, whether it's a food product or a microcomputer or whatever. And they, they get so focused on making the product that they don't see the mountain behind it of all the things that it takes to run a business, yeah. staffing, taxes, 
all just all the paperwork and everything else. You know, I mean, any entrepreneur that's been in it for more than six months knows that you have the 40 hours a week you spend building your product. You have the 40 hours a week you spend dealing with all of the customer complaints. And then you have the 40 hours a week where you actually have to work on building the business right. and doing the marketing and doing the banking and doing the bills and doing all of that stuff. All the other that stuff not... that we didn't sign up for, the, all the stuff that we, right. no one tells us when we start a business. We and, think we just get to do the, the thing we want to do, right? Right. And the stuff that's not sexy that, you know, when you sit around and talk to your friends, nobody wants to hear about the, the three hours you spent going through a contract or the, you know, doing taxes or payroll. That, that's hey, just like, look, oh yeah, some that, people that's love that stuff. God love them. It's, it's not me. God I, love I, them because that ain't me. That. Yes, but the point is, is that entrepreneurs don't. As you said they don't sign up for it because they don't know it's there. Yes, and when it gets to the point where you can't focus on the thing that you love to do because you have this pile of stuff that you have to do. That's where you hit that trough where the shiny wears off, the fun wears off and you get burnout because you're, you know, you're, we, I saw this in the mushroom farm. We got to the point where things were working and we were working 60, 70 hours a week to grow the mushrooms and to sell the mushrooms, but we couldn't hire extra staff. We couldn't get a delivery vehicle. We couldn't upgrade our equipment mm -hmm. and the money wasn't there yet, even though everything was working. And we got to the point where we, I mean, we almost burned out. And that was, that was the point where, where things were taking off the first time. Um, cause we started the farm at the, the, the wrong, the most wrong damn time ever. We started in January of 2019. So <laughs> in January of 2020, remember 2020 COVID? In January of 2020, we had just gotten things wired and we were just starting to hit 300 pounds a week. And we picked up a client, uh, a massive restaurant, uh, hotel chain, and they wanted to buy 250 pounds a week. And that was awesome. And we did our first delivery to them February 1st. Two weeks later, every restaurant in Dallas shut down within a six day period. And we were scrambling. We were, I mean, we were literally just floundering in the water because we built our entire business on selling to restaurants. Well, just, just give me a quick glimpse there business. because everyone's got their own COVID story. Everyone's got their own, holy shit, <laughs> everything changed. I have to pivot and change. But if you have that, the wealth of product coming through, you just got this mm -hmm. shit down. It's like, yes. And then it's, so, it's over. What did, what did you do? Just quickly behind the scenes. What, what was it that you... So, we lost every restaurant and we had all of those mushrooms growing. And so over the next seven days, we got, we were already in one farmer's market. We got into six more. We frantically were buying booths and, and pop-up tents and this and that. Um, and we on the fly figured out how to transition 300 pounds a week from restaurant sales at 10 pounds a case to farmer's market sales, retail sales at a quarter pound a piece. And we did a quarter pound and a half pound at restaurants. We threw everything at the wall and just saw what stuck. We did kits and we did home delivery and we did processed foods. And we just, we tried everything and we reinvented ourselves. And over mm -hmm. 
the next year we kept up with the farmers markets and all the retail stuff. And as the restaurants started coming back online, mm-hmm. we had figured out how to be more efficient and do more with less. And when I ended up leaving the farm and separating last summer, we were hitting over 800 pounds a week um, with an over 40% profitability. And we had a, a waiting list of probably uh, probably another three to 500 pounds a week that we just, we couldn't grow enough. And I mean, the all of that came from the fact that we intentionally built our customer base. We built relationships with our farmer's market clients. Mm. To this day, I probably know 200 farmer's market people, uh, customers by face, by name, um, and how their kids are. And, and our chefs had our personal mm-hmm. numbers and it's just the relationships are what built our business. And it's what sustained me, me and my partner, yeah. you know, in some ways through our 80 hour work weeks of just slogging misery because the relationship is what made it worthwhile seeing the joy on faces with our product in hand. It was, that was the fun part. Man, I love that. So. You're so right. It's about relationships. It's about building that. That's what makes a difference and your ability to pivot and change and holy fuck, what, what are we going to do? Nothing to do, but do the thing, right? Just you, you've got to mm-hmm. do it and you slog through and made it work. So I love Absolutely. hearing these kind of success stories. Yeah, it's fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> but look at what came from that. So let's sort of fast forward to today and let's talk about you okay. as, as the business owner. So as you've gone through all this wealth of experiences, all these things, as you go into your your new ventures, dude, you're, <laughs> you're, you're bulletproof, right? You've, you've seen it all. You've done it all. There is no challenges mm. that could be thrown at you whatsoever, right? Uh, I wouldn't say that because as soon as I say that, then something's going to come around that I haven't thought of. Um, but I've seen a lot. That's true. And I guess... I, I wouldn't so much say that I'm bulletproof because I've seen it all, because I've done it all. I'd say that I am maybe bullet resistant because Mm -hmm. I look at the world looking for opportunity. I don't look, I don't come at my, my path forward with a specific plan in hand. I look at it more of, I know where I want to go. And I know what's right in front of me right now. So given what's in front of me, here's the opportunity. Here's the pivot that is most appropriate to get me closer to where I want to go. So, for example, the, the farm that I'm building right now, and I'm, I'm 100% transparent in what I do. Um, that was another issue with my former partners. I was far more transparent than he wanted to be. Um, but I'm transparent in everything I do. My business model is relatively simple. I, I actually, I know a guy here locally that does it and it's amazing and it works for him perfectly. So I'm going to take it and try it on my own. It's going to be a weekly produce box, a share box. And my greenhouse is going to be able to produce about a hundred of those a week. And it's going to be $25. Well, right now I live in a city of 65,000 people. I'm pretty sure I can find a hundred people to buy a weekly box at $25. Well, okay, let's do the math. If $25 a week for a hundred people, multiply that by 50 weeks a year, that's 
a totally livable salary for one person. And with a hydroponic greenhouse, my costs are going to be under probably under 8%. But if I figure 10%, whatever, mm. you know, I'm still taking home $80,000. It's, it's beautiful. And the capital costs are minimal. I can build it all myself. I don't need to take out loans. I don't need to be in debt. It's all bootstrapped. And what I want to do is I want to develop this as, as a workable model that can be replicated anywhere. Like I said before, we could open 300 new farms in the Dallas-Fort Worth area tomorrow, mm. and there'd still be a need for more food. But if I could help 100 people make an $80,000 a year salary, why the hell not? I mean, there you are. And so I'll, you're you're looking for opportunities. I mean, we, we have two choices. We look for threats or opportunities. And boy, are we designed to look for threats. We all are. Mm -hmm. So many people closed down during COVID. Sometimes it wasn't their fault. Other times it was the excuse they were looking for to just give up. It was just too much. Mm -hmm. So right now, with you carrying this opportunity, now you get to look for opportunity for other people. True mm -hmm. sense of an entrepreneur. How do we give back? How can this directly and indirectly impact even more people? So what, in the spirit of unforget yourself, understand the, the roller coasters that we, the business owner, go through, the things that hold right. us back is, it's just ourselves. Honestly, it's just ourselves. Everything you said, you could have crumbled. You probably have doubts and guilt and worries throughout, throughout that period, but you made it mm -hmm. work. Sometimes maybe the detriment to your health your time, your work-life balance. So mm -hmm. what is it right now that you, that you still look at that's like, yeah, I still have this monkey on my shoulder. I still have these voices going around, even with your experience and success. I mean, it, I don't think I'll ever get rid of my imposter syndrome. I, I really don't. No matter how much I do, no matter how many successful businesses I've had or mm. can demonstrate or, or students that I've taught, I'm always going to think that, you know, sooner or later, somebody's going to point out that I'm a fraud and that I don't know what I'm doing. And if anything, I've learned how to turn that voice into a strength for me instead mm -hmm. of, you know, that, that, that whispering voice to break me down. Um, instead of getting beaten down by it, now I'm like, okay, so I'm not good enough. Well, what do I need to learn? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to work with? Who can I help to, mm. to do better? Um, and, and I don't ever think that I'm going to be the expert. I don't ever want to be at a point where I've mastered everything because God, that would be boring. You know, I like learning new things. I like, I like doing something nine times in a row and expect, and then doing it that 10th time. And all of a sudden things mm. go sideways. It's like, wait, what the hell happened? And then figuring out why it went sideways. And then, okay, well, now that's another tool in my toolbox. Um, so I've, I've learned to kind of, I listen to that voice and I'm like, okay, well, now let's go on and, and prove it wrong. You know, it's, it's not so much a, a voice that beats me down. It's a voice that I want to, that I want to just, I want to show it up. I want to say that, no, you, you said I'm not good enough. Here, let me show you how I am. Let me show you how I can do it. And then the other one that I, that I fight with and my wife has been, my wife has been amazing in doing this because work-life balance doesn't, it, it, it's not something that comes easy to me. Um, 
you know, I've, I've been a high school teacher for the better part of 18 years, 17 years. Mm -hmm. And a teacher does not have work-life balance. A teacher works 40 hours a week during the week and then comes home and writes lessons and grades papers, you know, and trying to do that while also being a full-time farmer, I'd be lucky if I slept. And so recently I've been making a concerted effort to I'll stay an extra hour or hour and a half at work, mm-hmm. but I don't bring work home with me. You know, when I'm, when I leave my classroom and I leave the school for the day, it stays there. And under exceptional circumstances, I might bring something home. But for the most part, even if I'm spending an extra two hours at work, mm-hmm. I leave it when I, when I leave and and I just come home and I spend that time with my wife, with my kids, and I'm trying to be more present. Um, mm-hmm. And that's oh, that's a good point. Trying to be more present. Love that you brought that up because it's so easy to say I'm going to switch off. I'm going to leave this uh, at at the school. I'm going to switch off after this work or whatever it might be. But it's tough when you're building multiple things. When you've got a passion for what you do, saying logically you know what to do, but actually being able to do it mentally and emotionally, Mm -hmm. it can be so so tough, right? Absolutely, and. And, you know, you 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 touched on that earlier when you're talking about businesses closing during COVID because it was the excuse that they wanted to give up. It was that, well, COVID closed my business. It wasn't me giving up. It was COVID. And it was that that extrinsic thing that that didn't reflect on them personally. Yeah. And, you know, part of that work life balance that I'm working on is, you know, instead of instead of sitting down to work on uh some marketing copy for the website or on a blog post and, you know, kind of half-ass writing this and that, and, you know, over three to four hours coming up with a 500 word blog post. I'm like, no, I'm going to set my egg timer and I'm going to work for 25 minutes or I'm going to work for 20 minutes and then I'm going to edit for 10 and then I'm done, Mm. you know, and partly hit that, that Seth Godin of it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be good enough ship it and get it out. And by setting myself these smaller marketable tasks, then I'm actually finding I'm a whole lot more productive because I'm getting rid of that perfection mentality. And I'm just saying, you know what? Screw it. People know I'm not perfect. People don't want perfect. They want people to fucking see that relatable. People only see a small glimpse of of your business. So to jump into what you're saying there is, yeah, I mean, everyone knows the the 80-20 rule. Of course, 80% of your amazing stuff comes from 20% of the work. Cool. Mm -hmm. How can you double team this? How can you add that to itself? If you apply the 80-20 rule to the 80-20 rule, 64% (laughs) of the outcome comes from 4% of your jobs. Oh, Mm -hmm. yes. This Mm -hmm. is about it. So you get now to help business owners, farmers to not only do the fucking thing they want to do or a new business, but help them with their business needs. So they don't Mm -hmm. have the excuse of failing. So they don't melt down because they haven't looked at the things they need to do. It's like we help business owners to look at them, the mentality, the perceptions, the thoughts, the emotions, control their body, understand themselves through the process. You allow them to be able to see the full picture of a business. Mm. And that's a new So you get to do that as you still battle your work-life balance, as you get the imposter syndrome. Who the fuck am I to do this? Mm-hmm. Well, you're the best person <laughs> in the place to do this. Well, thank you. 
I appreciate that. It's, it's fun. And you know, it's just at this point, I've done the things I've done the challenges and I just want, I want to help people grow food. I want to help people grow their business. And, you know, I'm, I'm working with my high school sophomores right now to, to teach them that opportunities are around them. They just have to look for them. And, you know, if, if you have those two mindsets, if you have the, the threat mindset or the opportunity mindset, if you look for threats, you're always, you're always on the negative. You're always looking for what's going to attack you, what's going to defeat you, what's going and to And you will find you. it. You will prove oh, yeah, yourself. Because, because if whatever you look for, you will find, period. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. If you look for happiness, if you look for good, you'll see it. If you look for evil and anger and misery, Imposter you're going to find it in spades. If you if you're looking for that, you will find the reason why your brain goes because your brain is sneaky. <laughs> Here's why I'm going to prove to you why maybe you're not best placed. Oh my gosh, it's relentless. This mm-hmm. is why it's so important to focus on the right things, the full picture. So, hey, right. Adam, this has been this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing Absolutely. your multiple journeys and what you're <laughs> what you're building right now. Absolutely. Thank. This has been a great talk. I've I've really enjoyed it. It's it's fun to talk to somebody who has been in similar places to me, different industry. But it's as we were saying, it's entrepreneurship is its own animal, and it doesn't matter what you're building. Being a business owner, it takes a unique breed. It really does. And so I'm just happy to to talk to others that have done it and to help anybody who wants to do it. So. Love I'm that. open for yeah, any questions from anyone. To stay on this path, it's it's it is tough. It makes you want to question everything and quit and run away. So, it's any advice such as everything you've shared today, if this helps someone to understand that they're not alone, to realize cross industry, oh my gosh, there is so much similarity here. That may well help help everyone to okay, what what's next? What can I do? What is possible? What am I missing? What am I looking at? So, look, Adam, if you want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they find you? All right. So my farm, my farm website, and I've got a, a lot of other stuff that I'm going to be putting on there as, as I have time to put it up there. Um, the website is under construction, but uh, greenphoenixfarms.com. Green like the color, phoenix like the city, but all one word. Um, I've got some aquaponic and hydroponic videos up on YouTube, and I'm also on Twitter. Both of those, you can find me at, at I am Adam Cohen. So you can find me on YouTube or Twitter with that. And basically, if you, if anybody has a question or whatever, just reach out. I, I have no agenda. I have no business right now to, to do consulting, but I just want to help. So if I can help in any way, please reach out to me. Hey man, love that. Adam, thank you so, so much. This has been, it's been so much fun. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, We ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> See you next time. Bye.